Welcome back, y'all. We're going to keep on hiking upward to chapter 13 in John. And in chapters 13 and 14, Jesus really um, resonates on the fact that it's about time for him to leave. And he's preparing the disciples for his departure. Um, in verse 13, it's the Thursday night before Passover and the meal is being prepared. In verse 1, it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I love when the scriptures use the word now because God is very much a God of now. And he didn't love us back then or is going to love us in the future. He loves us now. And he is going to keep on loving us every minute of every now of our lives. And in verse 2, it says, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. The seed had already been planted that Judas was going to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Another thing John does is he really makes it known and very clear that Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was going on. Um, Jesus knew the moments things were going to happen. He, he knew everything that was happening and what was to come. In verse 4, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And that's really interesting because Jesus does know here, and he knew what was to come, not too far off into the future. And his biggest thing that he wanted to do, the most important thing for him to do in this moment right now, while he's eating with the disciples before he dies on the cross for them is to wash their feet. And this is not a respectable ritual that they did. It was a necessary thing because they're walking on the same streets as animals who do other things on those streets. So it was a necessary thing. And usually it would be a slave that would do the washing of the feet. Um, in verse 6, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. And here's like, Peter, do you think you're better than the others? What? What's going on here, Peter? Um, and then Jesus replied with, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Peter is one of my favorite. I love his exuberance and his passionate, like how passionate he is about everything that he does. Um, and then another thing about when I was thinking about Jesus and the fact that he did this act that normally a slave would do. And in Philippians 2, it does tell us that Jesus, when he came to earth, Jesus emptied himself his entire being, and he took on the form of a slave. He came to be a slave for us, for the human race, and that was the whole purpose behind him coming to the earth. Moving on to verse 10, Jesus replied, 
A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. He knew Judas was going to betray him, but yet he still washed his feet. He still served Judas. In verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet too. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And he's not literally telling people to wash each other's feet. Like, I don't need you to wash my feet. But the point is, is that he wants everybody to become lowly servants of the things that people need. Like, we are supposed to have a spirit of servanthood. And wherever there's a need, no matter what it is, we should work our tails off to try to help the person in need. In verse 18, it says, I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, The one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand, so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. He was saddened because he truly loved Judas. He wants Judas' heart. He wants Judas to come to heaven with him and be saved. And he wants Judas to be free. Um, In verse 22, the disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciples, Jesus, the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Of course, this is John. John referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He felt that true love of Jesus. In verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to him and asked, Who is he talking about? So the disciple leaned over to Jesus, John did, and asked him, whispering so none of the others could hear him, Lord, who is it? In verse 26, Jesus responded privately to John, It is the one whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry and do what you are going to do. The seed had already been planted in Judas. In verse 28, none of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasure, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give money to the poor. At that time, um, in the temple, during the Passover preparations, the temple was open. So a lot of times the poor would go and hang out in the temple and people would come there and give to them and um, donate to them and help them out. So that's what they thought that Judas might be going to do. Because if Peter, think about it, if Peter had heard or known that it was Judas that was going to betray Jesus, 
with exuberant and passionate as, as Peter is, he would have totally tackled Judas before he got out the door. So none of them knew what was going on. Um, in verse 30, so Judas left at once going out into the night and it was dark. It was a dark, dark night. And I just can't help but think like what was going through Judas's head. He had to have felt some sort of conviction. Was he thinking he was doing the right thing? Did he think like, I just, I don't know what he was thinking here. I mean, he spent all that time with Jesus. He had to have had some thoughts going on in verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And this isn't like the second greatest commandment listed in Leviticus, Leviticus 19.18 is to love. So this isn't a new commandment as much as it's a new example of how to love. A new standard of love. Love as Jesus loved. And there was a new reason to love given here. So that all the other people around would know that you are Jesus' disciples. That you are Christians. You're Reflection of your heart is reflected by how you love other people. In verse 36, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Poor Peter. In chapter 14, we keep talking more about Jesus getting ready to leave and that his time has come. They're still in the upper room. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? So when he's talking about creating a place for you, it's not talking about like mansions and wealth. He's talking about a dwelling place, a permanent place. We have a permanent soul safety that our go- our souls will be with Jesus forever. Um, in verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Again, I like that now word. It's present. It's now, every day. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? 
The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Christianity is the exclusive, final, and true religion of Jesus, and it's simply just following Jesus in his love and example. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. And Jesus is explaining the deity in this paragraph also. Verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, for ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. That means ask for anything in the will of God. You can't just ask for a mansion and anything that's materialistic and doesn't really matter. He's talking about asking for things that are in God's will. He will honor those requests. And God expects us to have a permanent place in our hearts for him. God expects to reside in our hearts permanently just as we expect to have a place in heaven. Like it's a two-way road there. In verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for this is paraclete, which is counselor and to come aside, who leads into all the truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And this is another paragraph explaining the deity and one this John really focuses on the deity and the Holy Spirit and one of the main things John tells us about that the other disciples didn't in their gospels is the paraclete the Greek word the helper the comforter and it gave him reason enough to write one more gospel we needed to know and understand the paraclete and the Holy Spirit and that they'll be with us and in us and helping us through each and every single day In verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciples with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them. And we, meaning the triune God, will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So the Holy Spirit is the Son, Jesus, taking up residence in our hearts. And Jesus said he will not leave us orphans. He will come to us and send a comforter the paraclete, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. 
Um, and then the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. He's telling this to the disciples other than Judas, because Judas had left now. And it's a promise that um, he's telling the disciples, many of who would later write the Gospels and the Epistles. It's a promise and the underlying foundation for the inspiration of the Bible, like, he will teach and remind people of everything. And that's the foundation of the inspired word of God, that it comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I have told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come. Let's be going. I like how he ends that with, come, let's go. Come to me, let's go into the world. I like that. Um, so that concludes verses or chapters 13 and 14, um, where Jesus is preparing the people for his departure as he leaves the earth and promises that he's not really going to leave. He's not going to leave them as orphans. He is, but he's coming back and the Holy Spirit will reside in us, the triune God. So that concludes our trek on through chapters 13 and 14. I really hope you're getting a lot out of this and I'm hoping that I'm able to simplify it enough so it makes sense, but you get a deeper understanding of the word of God because that is our goal. I hope you all have a great night and we'll come back again tomorrow for another mile down the road.